Broadcasting live from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. Studio C. Si, senor. Welcome to uh, another dimly lit room deep within the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty communications compound sort of day. And today we're under the tutelage of our general manager. Angry Haitians. <laughs> Angry Haitians are our general manager. Yes, I've not seen a surlier bunch of airline passengers since my last return flight from Las Vegas. Uh, they are rather pissed off at being trucked back, well, flown back to Haiti. I know how to handle angry Haitians. I learned it from the Biden administration. You get on a horse and you give them a kick. Oh boy! Oh, That's what the Biden administration does. Let's uh, let's not let's not go there. I mean, I don't know that that's the Biden administration per se. You don't think? Well, no. It's it's Texas, actually. Where's the buck stop? Federal Border Patrol. Big finish. Here we go. My understanding is that's your uh, Texas State Police and uh, and Rangers and okay. uh, National Guard and stuff okay. that's doing that. I thought it was Border Patrol. Well, they have to because the Border Patrol has been, you know, defanged by the Biden administration. Yeah. They invited all, every third worlder on the globe to come on in, and they have. Uh, some of the reactions on the left to the uh, the people on the horse kicking the Haitians, Haitian kickers, uh, has been uh, quite over the top. Oh, hilarious. We'll have that for you later. Well, and for an obvious reason, too. They are absolutely desperate to focus your attention on something other than the self-imposed, the self-created crisis. Oh, right. Um, Got something I want to talk about when we ought to officially start the show. It is Wednesday, September 22nd. Uh, we are Armstrong, the year of our Lord, 2021. We are Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. You know, I don't think we ever officially started the show yesterday, so it never happened. Oh, wow. Erase the an, podcast. An unofficial show. Right. <laughs> an off-the-books show. <laughs> Under the table. <laughs> All right, let's begin the show officially now, according to FCC rules and regulations. Here we go at Mark. In order to be allowed on the General Assembly floor, all leaders had to either be vaccinated or test negative for COVID, but they didn't have to show proof. They did it on the honor system. And if you can't trust China and Russia, really, who can you trust? But... <laughs> gotten their meeting going on and i don't care i don't care about the u.n i don't care about presidential speeches to the u.n i think if the u.n were in los angeles it would get a third the attention it gets because it's in new york all that i just don't care i don't think these things ever matter at all but i was watching the morning joe on msnbc this morning and uh, they had some pretty good reporting from somebody who knows because he was with joe biden uh, at the most recent G7 meeting, where Macron of France was there, and they were into the whole oui. they were into the whole story of how France is so mad at us right now for uh, screwing them out of their submarine deal, their sixty billion dollar submarine deal with Australia, and we do a special deal with Australia behind their back. And the reporting on this was pretty interesting. It was also interesting how critical. They were on MSNBC of the current president. And how could you screw up this badly? How could you be this disorganized, this blind? How could you treat our oldest ally like this? How could you be this incompetent? I mean, they were really beating up the Biden White House on this and and also talking about and 
It's also true. Uh, can you imagine if Trump had done this? If Trump had made France so mad that they yanked their ambassador, as as mad as France was at Trump. Remember, oh, yes. at Bush, they wouldn't let us fly over their airspace, the war in Iraq. That's why we were calling them freedom fries. Even at that low moment, they didn't recall their ambassador. I mean, this is a has never happened in the history of our relations with that country. Can you imagine if it happened under Donald Trump? It'd just be nonstop. Look at the amateurs. Look at the the, the America first. How the evil doesn't cuddling up to our, our our adversaries and destroying our relationships with our allies. Yeah, but so the uh, the real the juice to this story to me, and I was unaware of this until the reporter gave the background is. Joe Biden met with Macron so many times, and our people met with their their people so many times, including at the G7 just a couple of weeks ago, sitting there smiling, both talking about, isn't it great that Trump's gone and we're back and the relationship's back and smiling and holding hands and then one-on-one meetings and hanging out in each other's hotel rooms and all that sort of stuff, never brought up at any point. Oh, by the way, we're selling submarines to the Australians. You're not going to get to... You'll find out when you read about it in the newspaper. <laughs> I mean, Build just, better submarines, you, Pierre. You just, Come on. But, you know, you can't. We've been in that situation no, before. Absolutely. That's you, what makes you mad. We've been in that situation before where something big happens. and You think, wait a second. You, we've been in meetings with you how many times and you knew this and you didn't say anything? F you. Right. I mean, it really, right. really pisses you off. Right. That's the betrayal. That's the betrayal. Yeah. With your oldest friend, if, if you just sat down and said, look, uh, they don't like your, as they were calling them on Morning Joe, gas, diesel-powered loud submarines, and uh, <laughs> we're going to sell them some quiet ones they like better. But so how do we make this work? How do we present it to the world? What deal can we make so you still make some money, blah, blah, yeah. But you don't just, we're good friends, glad we're back, the relationship is back. Later that same day, he meets in secret with the Australians, and we make the deal for the submarines. Never mentions it to our oldest friend. Could have at least, like, brokered a deal to sell those submarines to Poland. Screen doors or not, as the old joke goes. He could have done something. How do you like this line? Joe Biden installed the Taliban in power and broke our relationship with our oldest ally. That is exactly what you'd be hearing if this same thing had happened under Trump. But so, well, so, you know, come election time, you probably will hear it. So, Although old man Biden's not going to run again. But so what happened to the grown-ups are in charge in the, the 50 years of uh, diplomatic experience and chair of the Foreign Relations Committee and blah, 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 all this sort of stuff? How are they this bad? How, how are they so bad that France pulls their ambassador from the United States and, and says out loud, not behind closed doors, but says out loud, we were stabbed in the back by the United States of America? We. Oui. Well, I'll tell you this, and this line is familiar to the point of cliché-hood at this point, but it is worth rolling it around in your mouth. Don't swig it down like Mad Dog 2020. Roll it around like a fine Napa Valley Cabernet and appreciate it for what it is. No less reasonable man than Robert Gates said Joe Biden has been wrong about every foreign (laughs) policy decision in the last, what what did he say, 40 years. Think about that. He wasn't trying to be funny. He was not hosting a whimsical talk radio program. He was serious. Yeah, and I thought that was like an exaggeration or whatever, but we've seen some pretty good evidence of that in the last month. All right, let's grant it 10% of the time he's right. Let's be generous. Um, by the way, I don't watch uh, Morning Joe uh, that often, and I don't know how many of you have ever seen it. But the host, Joe Scarborough, and Mika Brzezinski are now married. They started together as a couple of good-looking 
45-year-olds or something, and uh, who are married to other people, and then they fell in love while working together and now are a married couple. But the way he talks to her when he <laughs> thinks she's wrong, I can't believe that that's okay. <laughs> I mean, it's just amazing how dismissive he is of her on the air yeah. when he thinks she's wrong. And it's just it's so uncomfortable. I should be able just to enjoy it. It's not me. It's not my life. It's not my <laughs> But just the way he's talking to Mika, 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 look, I know I realize you're trying hard here, but you're wrong. And just wow. like, what? Whoa. What? <laughs> Wow, that sort of contempt is tough to take. Yeah, just, ah, you're making me uncomfortable. Can you guys do this in private or something? Oof. Wow. Is that going to be video of a Utah State Trooper pulling them over? Oh, mm-hmm. Now, that was mm-hmm. not cool. I made well, an uncool joke earlier, but that, that well, was what you just uh, said. That's not a joke. It's it's the sort of thing you see in an unhealthy relationship. Um, they ever, like, really fall apart and split up, though, that is going to be some good TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the lead up. <laughs> The yeah. lead up yeah, yeah, will yeah. be delicious. Yeah. <laughs> Uncomfortably fantastic. The rumors and then the, yeah, it'll be fantastic. Um, taking glee from other people's pain. That's probably not a good trait, is it? Well, if they're trotting it out for you to watch on TV for profit, I think it can be excused. All right. Uh, how does the mailbag look? Oh, it's, it's actually quite nice. Little this, little that. Hmm, cool. Yeah, we got a lot of stuff to catch up on. I read a. What did, where did I read this? I was reading it in the middle of the night because I can't sleep anymore. I've lost the ability to sleep. I was reading this in the middle of the night. Um, oh, it was a long piece in the Atlantic about uh, cancel culture, uh, and mm. that was really really interesting about how the whole thing uh, tends to work in stages when you uh, cross some imaginary line, and then the wolves come for you in the way it plays out. Cancel that we ought to talk about later. Yeah, I'd love to. I, that is a, a topic I never lose interest in. No kidding. Uh, our text line is 415-295-KFTC. I think I just have a feeling in my bones that is either arthritis or that we're going to have a good show. But my feeling in my bones is that we're going to have a good show. Excellent. It could, it could, yeah. be, it could be arthritis. But. I'm, I'm here. I'm sober. I got a good feeling about it. Let's right. do it. Stay here. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I forgot to bring my cream for my coffee today, so I told Michael to put on a best of. I got to go home. Um, Emergency. Emergency. Donald Trump is running for president again. It seems pretty clear, so maybe we'll talk about that later in the show. Well, you're wrong. You want to? Uh you're being duped. Duped, I say. Is inflation here to stay or just a, a weird COVID thing? Got more people weighing in on that. Excellent. Okay. Here's your freedom loving quote of the day. I'm beginning a series of quotes from Marcus Tullius Cicero. Cicero, you say? The great philosopher, the great former of government, the great thinker Cicero. I've always meant to read his diary. Is that what it's called? Anyway, I, I've started it many times now. I flame out for some reason. The uh, namesake of Cicero, Illinois, tough suburb, south uh, Chicago. 
Came as close to getting killed as I ever have, probably, in Cicero, Illinois, once, many oh. years ago. Someday I'll tell the tale. Uh, bah, 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 bah. Oh, here's your quote from Cicero. To be ignorant of what occurred before you were born is to remain always a child. For what is the worth of human life unless it is woven into the life of our ancestors by the records of history? Hmm. Study history, idiots. Yeah, I'm That's not, what he was trying to say. I'm not sure it does any good, though. Hmm. Every generation seems to think, yeah, but things are different now than when my, when my dad was a kid or when that country tried this. Yeah, but on the other hand, you have admitted you've become a cynic bordering on nihilism. Yes, yes, I am a border nihilist. <laughs> Mailbag. John in Simi Valley, California. Has an interesting opinion. Hey, y'all, long time first, blah, 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 you're great. Anyway, <laughs> overheard at the border. Hey there, little traveler, you're just one step away from getting into this great country. Roll up your sleeve, please. Okay, now you're safe from that coronavirus thing you've seen killing people. That's it. Now, here's a piece of paper with a date you need to appear to be officially uh, made a citizen or something like that. If you don't appear, we'll trigger the bomb we just injected you with. Wow. The only downside would be all the ripped-off arms that would be scattered around. I think it's worth a try. So you want people implanted with explosive chips and them to be detonated if they don't show up for a hearing? What if they get a flat tire? Yeah, I think we I think we always got to put the emphasis on the policies that's drawing people here because, as we've said a hundred times, if I lived in freaking Haiti with my family... And heard that if I can just get across the border in Texas, I get to live in the United States for the rest of my life. And they provide education, health care, and if you don't have a job, they'll feed you. Right. I would do everything I had and spend every cent I had to try to get my family into the United States. It's just well, the smart, good thing to do for your family. Well, absolutely so. And if the powerful make it clear that you will be allowed in, you come. It's, uh, you know, it's funny, just as a metaphor, Judy and I are dealing with a bit of a plumbing problem, a leak behind the wall, that sort of thing. Not clear whether it's going to be a thousand dollars or many thousand dollars to deal with it, but, there, uh, the, and so, you know, we, we became aware of the dripping, so we put down towels and such, uh, you know, and, and obviously shut off the water, but the border is the towels. The flow of water is immigration policy and what the people of this hemisphere know our policies are. They won't come if there's no hope of getting what they're coming for. Well, they won't come illegally. It's, now, just, it's so obvious. Now, that was a bunch of up with immigrants talk there because I would do the same thing. On the other hand, if you're there at the border and you're looking at people and you're telling them, don't cross this line, stay over there. And people rush you. I don't know how you're supposed. What you're supposed to do? Precisely than, what they did is what you're supposed. Other than to do. physically stop them. And did you hear the story yesterday that broke about uh, all the people on the bus that were traveling through Texas and they were taking them back and they took over the bus? Yeah, physically mm-hmm. took over the bus. Yeah, hijacked it. Hijacked the bus and disappeared. Yep, yep. Uh, more on that to come, friends. I love this perspective from uh, different John. You know how you guys always say politicians would rather have an issue than solve it? Well, I just realized that it would cost about $3.5 trillion to convert all of America's electricity usage to nuclear power. 
Seems Dems don't really want to fix what they claim is their number one issue with their $3.5 trillion package. And uh, I just found this out when I was thinking about the $5.4 trillion or so we spent already. It could have been better spent. For that $5.4 trillion, we could have uh, all of these things now. Could have done all of these things. Given everyone in the U.S. an N95 mask and a COVID test every day. Paid $2,000 per person per week isolation? I'm not sure. Bought everyone a HEPA filter, vaccinated everyone in the world, and converted all U.S. electricity usage to nuclear power. I don't doubt that. $5.4 trillion or whatever it is is a tremendous amount of money. Yeah, yep, indeed. Uh, Ryan from Houston is apparently in despair. Uh, guys, dig, uh, dear Big Freedom and Old Simple Jack, I disagree with Bernie Sanders. His goals are too low. We're already heading off the fiscal cliff. We might as well load up the bullet train with champagne and dynamite and go out with a bang. Take the five point trillion dollars and then give every senator a hundred billion dollars to add to the bill. Give every congressman twenty five billion. No strings attached. Give all the governors ten billion per million in population. Let's just get our decline over with. Let's pool up the money so Ted Cruz and the Texas gang can round up a posse to invade California. Let California pool up all their money to finally finish that finish that sweet, sweet bullet train from Merced to Bakersfield. <laughs> America is a type 1 diabetic with stage 4 lung cancer and already missing a foot. Let's gorge ourselves for the little time this nation has yet. Wow. Wow, Ryan from Houston. Despairing. Buck up, son. Buck up. There's hope still. <laughs> Not a lot. Um, two views of cancel culture, one from the New York Times, one from the Atlantic that are pretty uh, interesting. We've got a uh, late night joke off, which we haven't done in a while. We'll do later in the show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. culture or whatever you want to call it i i think just call it the culture it's our current culture i think anybody uh, like if you just rolled your eyes at that or reached for the knob on your radio or groaned or whatever i think you do that at your own peril because every homo sapien in america could have their lives changed forever by one utterance or claimed utterance by one tweet by one joke and um it's happening all over the place well, and if you think, well, I would never say anything so outrageous as to dot, 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 you, you, you misunderstand I'd the, say. The, uh, what's happening. So, a couple of things before I get into the meat of this. Uh, the, the foul lines change constantly, is my point. FIRE, the group that takes a look at academic freedom and free speech and all that sort of stuff. The Foundation for Individual Rights and in Education, one of my favorites. They got their uh, latest report out with some troubling findings. 66% of students... Two-thirds of students support speaker shoutdowns. That's up four percentage points from last year. So two-thirds of college students, if you don't agree with the speaker, you should shout them down so they can't speak. Good Lord. Even worse than that, how about using violence to stop a speaker? It's now about a quarter, up five points from last year to 23%. Nearly a quarter of college students think it's okay to use violence to stop somebody giving a speech. So there you go. That's just fantastic. Wow. Uh, That's born of self-righteousness. Speech is violence. Violence is speech. The indoctrination is succeeding. It's crazy. So how did I come across this article in The Atlantic by Ann Applebaum about cancel culture called the New Puritans? Um, 
It was linked from an op-ed in the New York Times from Michelle Goldberg, who is a horrible human being, but I read her columns just to make myself mad, I guess. What, there's a name for that. Mm, Looking for stuff to make you mad? I know that we've used, there's a term, but anyway. Um, she has an opinion piece today that says, The Middle-Aged Sadness Behind the Cancel Culture Panic. And she talks about how The Atlantic, in the piece I'm about to read from, and The Economist have both recently done breathless cover stories about cancel culture. Two steady, sober publications that are all crazed about cancel culture. And she thinks it's incredibly misplaced, and it's because people over the age of 40 just don't get it. One of the emotions, I believe, is loss. Many people I know over 40, maybe even 35, resent new social mores that demand outsized sensitivity to causing harm. It's been jarring to go from an intellectual culture that prizes transgression to one that polices it. Well, that's fair. Start there. (laughs) The shame of turning into the sort of old person repelled by the sensibilities of the young is a cause of real psychic pain. So it's basically just we're all old and don't get the new young people, and it it just hurts our feelings that we're old and out of step now. Uh, Yeah, because the right to free speech, assembly, religion, etc., it was was a trend. It was like REO Speedwagon. It's not a timeless foundation of Western democracy. Anyway, so her examples of overreacting were uh, articles in the uh, cover stories in The Economist and The Atlantic. And I should click on The Economist at some point, but I clicked on The Atlantic. The New Puritans by Ann Applebaum, and I'll read a little bit from it. I definitely agree with Ann Applebaum as opposed to Michelle Goldberg or where we are on all this stuff. Right here in America, right now, it is possible to meet people who have lost everything. We know a few. We know a few. Right here in America, right now, it's possible to meet people who have lost everything. Jobs, money, friends, colleagues, after violating no laws and sometimes no workplace rules either. Instead, they have broken or are accused of having broken social codes having to do with race, sex, personal behavior, or even acceptable humor, which may not have existed five years ago or even five months ago. Some have made egregious errors in judgment. Some have done nothing at all. It's not always easy to tell. Here's the first thing that happens once you've been accused of breaking a social code, when you find yourself at the center of a social media storm because of something you said or purportedly said. One of the reasons I was so into reading this last night was I, uh, if, if Joe and I are able to escape this era before our careers are over, I will be pleasantly surprised. I would not wager heavily on it. And, uh, and, I, and I know how these things play out. First of all, let me just add one more thought to her uh, terrific so far essay. Not only are the rules you you supposedly broke uh, non-existent five months ago, five months from now, they may not exist either. It's like a momentary TikTok craze. If you violate it, you get fired. No doubt. The the Me Too stuff, there are people that lost their careers during Me Too that would be okay today. Mm -hmm. Sure. There are people that lost their careers right after George Floyd was killed uh, that could do today what they did today and survive. So, mm-hmm. yep. uh, Here's what happens first. The phone stops ringing. People stop talking to you. You become toxic. She quotes a um, uh, an academic. I have in my department dozens of colleagues. I think I've spoken to zero, zero of them in the past year, one academic told me. One of my colleagues I had lunch with at least once a week for more than a decade He just refused to speak to me anymore without asking questions. Another reckoned that of the 20-odd members in his department, there are two, one of whom has no power and another whom is about to retire who will speak to me. Nobody else. 
A journalist told me that after he was summarily fired, his acquaintances sorted themselves into three groups. First, the heroes, very small in number, who insist on due process before damaging another person's life and who stick by their friends. Second, the villains, who think you should immediately lose your livelihood as soon as the allegation is made. And that's what happens all the time. Boy, what a beautiful, blunt, and brutal way to put that. You should immediately lose your livelihood as soon as the allegation is made. Do you realize what could happen here? You make a joke at a party, or somebody thinks you made a joke at a party. Ten years ago? or, or you know, Yeah, maybe, maybe ten years ago. Or a tweet, or whatever it is, and word gets around your workplace, and all of a sudden, nobody's talking to you. People you talk to all the time, nobody's talking to you. And a whole bunch of people think you should just be fired before they even look into it. And sometimes you do get fired. Canceled! And I don't care where you work. You're an insurance salesman. You're a construction worker. It can happen to anybody. Well, and your corporate fathers will say, well, this is a ridiculous uh, charge, ridiculous accusation, but uh, it's a headache for us. We don't need the, the, you know, the social media coming down. Uh, we're better off without this person. And oh. you're done. Oh, get, getting back to the Michelle Goldberg column in the New York Times, she says at one point, people who compare this to the Cultural Revolution in China are being uh, histrionic. Okay. Uh, yeah, if you say so. Yeah. Sure, sure. That's a, you know, that's a great policy, too. What you do is you ignore evil until it's so powerful you can do nothing about it, Michelle. What a delightful point of view. So you got the group that say you should immediately lose your livelihood as soon as the allegation is made. Some old friends or people he thought were old friends even joined the public attack. Oh, my God. But the majority were in the third category. Good but useless. They don't necessarily think the worst of you. And they think you should get due process, but, you know, they haven't looked into it. And they have reasons to think charitably of you. Maybe they're too busy to help, or they have too much to lose. One friend told him that she would happily write a defense of him, but she had a book proposal in the works. Um, Lots of examples of that. Wow, that's Martin Luther King's not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. And sometimes our quote-unquote friends actually turn on us. That reminded me of the thing I read when I went on my French Revolution kick. That it only takes fifteen percent of the population to pull off a revolution. The really, the really active fifteen percent, and then there's a big enough other group that are kind of close to, uh, kind of agree with you. Certainly wouldn't do it the way you're going to do it, and they're kind of scared of you, so they just keep their mouths shut. And that big, if that group gets big enough, over fifty percent, then you can easily pull off a revolution. That'd be the same thing as dr- of drumming you out of your job. The crowd mm-hmm. that yeah, maybe they agree, maybe you don't. I don't think he probably did that, but anyway, I don't want to get involved. Here's the second thing that happens to you, and then I'll wrap this up in a little bit. Closely related to the first, even if you've not been suspended, punished, or found guilty of anything, you cannot function in your profession. If you're a professor, no one wants you as a teacher or a mentor. The graduate students made it obvious to me that I was a non-person and could not possibly be tolerated. This sounds like the stuff we heard from uh, Peter Bogosian earlier this week, or last week. You cannot publish in professional journals. You cannot quit your job because no one else will hire you. If you're a journalist, then you might find that you cannot publish at all. After losing his job as editor of the New York Times Review of Books in a Me Too-related editorial dispute, he was not accused of assault, just of printing an article by someone who was. Ian Baruma discovered that several of the magazines where he had been writing for 30 years would not publish him any longer. Wow. God, what a bunch of cowards. One of the editors said something about the younger staff at his magazine wouldn't have it. 
That's the uh, college students we were just discussing, who two-thirds of whom are in favor of shouting down speakers. Although a group child. Of, in this instance, although more than a, a group of more than 100 New York Review of Books contributors, among them Joyce Carol Oates, Ian McEwen, uh, a whole bunch of other names of uh, big-time authors, had signed a public letter in his defense. The editor evidently feared his colleagues more than he did Joyce Carol Oates, so the guy had to lose his job. That is so ugly and so stupid. Uh, for many, intellectuals and professional life grinds to a halt. I was doing the best work in my life when I heard of this investigation happening. One academic told me it all stopped. I've not written another paper since. Peter Ludlow, a philosophy professor at Northwestern. That's philosophy. philosophy. <laughs> a philosophy professor at Northwestern uh, lost two book contracts after the university forced him out of his job for two alleged instances of sexual harassment, which he denies and can't defend himself against because they never told him what really they were. Sure, that's back to the Title IX. You don't get to confront anybody. You don't get to see the evidence. You have no rights. He couldn't write anymore because other philosophers would not allow their articles to appear in the same volume as one of his. Wow. Another, Daniel Elder, a prize-winning composer and a liberal, posted a statement on Instagram condemning arson during the Black Lives Matter protests when someone had set a courthouse on fire. He discovered that his publisher would not print his music and choirs would not sing his music anymore. And this goes on and on and on with all kinds of examples of this. So he said burning down the courthouse in his town was wrong during the Black Lives Matter protests, and all of a sudden his career is over. He's unemployable. You know, we need segregation in America. Segregation between people who think like that and want that world and those of us who understand how horrific it is. We, we can divide up the country any way you want. We'll flip a coin. You divide, we choose. You know, whatever. We'll go every other state. You have the East, we'll take the West. Whatever you want. We'll run our country, you run yours, and we'll see which one becomes a violent, ugly hellhole and which one continues to be the shining light, the inspiration of humanity? Man, I wish I could organize that. That is a great thought experiment. I wish it could be a real experiment. Wouldn't it? How many people would sign up for the, we're going to go with the politically correct, witch hunty, that's not what they would call it. The new puritanical, well, they wouldn't, yeah. Uh, how many people would sign up for that? Go, good luck with that. Enjoy yourself. Knock yourself out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, us mice over here, we're going to stick with the uh, the Bill of Rights, etc., due process, uh, the presumption of innocence, the kindness, the idea of forgiveness, redemption, the idea of everyone makes mistakes. Uh, these are universal human values, you puritanical lunatics. I had forgotten about this was back during Me Too at its height. There was a, a, a website called crappy, but they used the, the S word for crappy. S.E. Media Men. That circulated on the internet where you could anonymously claim, uh, right, that, you know, this person had done this to you. You know, tried to grab your boob at a bar or, or whatever. Um, uh, but anonymous and people's careers were ended over that. Wow. It's just incredible. That whole article, by the way, starts with a quote from Nathaniel Hawthorne and from the Scarlet Letter and how we're just right back. That's where the whole, the new Puritans comes from. Nice. In that, uh, if you remember the Scarlet Letter, she had to wear a Scarlet Letter A for adultery, even though the town preacher, who was one of the leading people who was screaming that she needed to be banished from the town, was the person that got her pregnant. Yeah, yeah, perfect. 
And I'll tell you what, you know, we started this discussion with the statement that you need, even if you don't think you could possibly be on the receiving end of this stuff, you need to help fight it because you just don't know when they're going to come for you. Crazy stuff. And a quarter of college students think violence is okay to stop a speaker. That may be the most serious thing happening in America right now. Yeah, I don't. Well, unless you're uh, Michelle Goldberg of the New York Times and you're just an over 40 uh, hysterical uh, can't get with the times. Michelle Goldberg is an ass and an idiot. You just said that because she's Hispanic or Asian or black. Goldberg? White. I don't know. what. doesn't sound very Hispanic. Well, who knows? Maybe it's a Marriage name. Just Married name. For, so somehow you're going to be canceled for having said that. No. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. When do you want to do our late night joke off? We haven't done one of those in a long time. Why don't we do it next? Okay. Armstrong and Getty. So the House passed to raise the debt limit or extend it or whatever thing yesterday. Doesn't really matter. The Senate's not going to pass it, so who freaking cares? That could cause a government shutdown. No, it's not going to happen. But it could. (laughs) Uh, I have one of my favorite teases of all time. It's particularly if my boys were listening. If both Sam and Henry were listening right now, they would love this tease. How Humans Lost Their Tails. Oh, my. That is a story. Those of you who did. (laughs) I have a vestigial tail, as you know, since birth. What was the thing I was going with for a long time with Sam when he was little, before Henry was born? If you you reveal the name of the baby before they're born, they'll be born with a tail. (laughs) Come on. You actually told your kid that? I think so. That's perverse. Uh, All right, do I understand correctly we have a late-night joke-off introduction of some sort? Armstrong and Getty. The late-night joke-off. Wow. Um, we <laughs> we had kind of sworn these off because they weren't, um, what's the word, funny. Yes. yes. Uh, but what's the, what's the premise here? Well, Jack, we're going to play three late-night jokes on the same topic. I, Joe Getty, will grade them, uh, and the bottom-grade getter will be banned from comedy for life. According Fantastic. to the powers vested in me. Yeah, it's Let's hear them. It's when a story is so big that they all feel like they got to take a swing at it. So. Exactly. All right, let's hear it. More than 100 foreign leaders are in town to address the assembly. I love when the U.N. General Assembly is in session. There's no greater joy than watching the president of Romania walk into the M&M store. <laughs> Seriously, when else are you going to spot the president of Latvia holding one of those restaurant buzzers outside Bubba Gump Shrimp? It's like, our table's ready. Let's go. President Biden gave his first speech in front of the United Nations General Assembly. He made the case for greater diplomacy, global alliance, and global cooperation. Specifically, cooperation on everyone just being kind of chill and let's, you know, maybe move past this whole Afghanistan thing. I feel sorry for the UN UN translators who are working during Biden's speech. Imagine having to think of the Portuguese word for buckaroo right there on the fly. (laughs) 
The oldest president in U.S. history was in New York today addressing the United Nations. Joe Biden is older than the U.N. itself. That's not a joke. That's true. He's like, I remember when this building was a saltwater taffy shack. And all his leader friends from other countries were there. The fella from Down Under, big guy, too tall, padre, bucko. Wow. One state where things are going oh normal is California, okay. which now has the lowest COVID going? rates. Huh? What's happening here? Do they want Trevor Noah? Uh, is he on the same topic? No, we've always played three. Okay. Um, yeah. And that's a different topic, isn't it? So, uh, well, I'll let you grade them, then I have a comment. I, yeah, la- okay. I laughed. That's the first time I've ever laughed at all three jokes. Well, you're an easy mark. Corden wasn't funny at all. Fallon, B+. Corden, C+. Kimmel with a solid A. Plus, Corden loses a full grade for being a foreigner, taking comedy <laughs> jobs that Americans should have. So, t- so Corden is banned from comedy for life. Two of them were jokes at Joe Biden's expense, which reminded me of, remember the Washington Post had a piece during the election that the thing with Joe Biden is there's no way you can make fun of him. There's no opportunity for humor. And they, in, they, inter- they interviewed some alleged comedian claiming there's just no way to make fun of Joe Biden. <laughs> Everybody's like, what? He's a million years old and says wacky things every day. That was self-evidently idiotic and partisan at the time. You know, we should find out who that person is and get them on the phone. And, and just make them answer for it. You shouldn't be able to get away with some saying something so horrific without a public confession of idiocy. I remember when this building was a salt water factory, salt water taffy factory. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, beautiful. Last year, Americans paid more in taxes than they spent for dot, dot, dot. We'll tell you. It's pretty amazing. Armstrong and Getty.